Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to. Please get a hold of us at lafayettenaz.org. Have a great day. Now, I don't watch a lot of movies these days. I I don't. Something about four children doesn't allow a lot of spare time in your in your calendar for a two-hour movie. But I did hear that the new IMAX is opening up soon, maybe open already, so y'all can get in on that for all you movie-going people. I don't see a lot of movies, but I do watch a lot of trailers. And you know, you know the job of a trailer, right? A trailer is not the same thing as a movie. The trailer doesn't serve the same purpose as the movie. The trailer isn't supposed to develop the characters and like tease out the tension and then resolve the tension. And the trailer isn't supposed to tell the whole narrative arc of a 90-minute movie in two minutes. That's not the job of a trailer. You know what the job of a trailer is? It's to whet your appetite. It's to make you want more. It's to be a preview. Trailers are designed to get us to say, oh yeah, yeah, I want, I want more of that. In fact, I'm willing to spend, how much does it cost to go to a movie these days? $12, $10, $11? I'm willing to spend X number of dollars plus $14 for a box of popcorn to go, to go see that. I want more of that, please. So I did a quick Google search, and a quick Google search, and I think the search terms were best movie trailers 2018, And the Google search told me, it led me to a website where there's movie critics ranked the top 10 trailers, not movies now, but the top 10 trailers in 2018. I thought I'd show you the best this morning. I thought I'd show you the best. All right, so shall we do that? Let's do that. (laughs) Yes, right. Let's go. My favorite part of that thing is when when our boy... When our boy does this with his arms, like he's, he's getting ready to thunder and lightning, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'll have more of that, please, right? I'll have, more, I'll have more of that. All right, now, here's why I say all that, and here's why I showed you that two-minute video, not just to entertain you. I say it to make a point. My point is this, that I do think that the job of every Christian, I think the role of every follower of Jesus is to be a trailer, is to be a preview of the life that is to come. I think the job that every, of every follower of Jesus, I think the mission of the church, I think the task that God has handed to us is to say, alert the world, offer to the world a preview, a trailer of the kind of life that God will one day bring. You and I. We are a trailer. We're a preview. Our job is to announce to the world through the quality of our life 
There is a new king, and there is a new kingdom. There is a new way to live, and we want to whet your appetite. We want to give you just a little taste of the life of the world to come. So we're a trailer, but if we're going to be a trailer, we got to get the story right. I mean, what if the trailer to that Mission Impossible movie, what if the trailer totally missed the point? Or what if the trailer totally dropped the plot? Or what if the trailer to the movie told a very different story than the movie itself actually told? What if the trailer didn't represent the movie? Well, we would say, oh man, that's it. I was hoping for a little bit more. I wanted something else. And can I be honest with you? I think sometimes that's what happens in the church. It's just this church. I think that's what happens in almost every church. I think that what happens is, is that many of us get a little bit expo- of exposure to the church, and we say, that's it. That's it. Like, I thought there was more. I thought there was some more stuff going on there. Now, it's our role to be a preview of what is to come. And if it's our role to be a preview of what is to come, then we have to get the story right on what is actually going to come, because if we get the story wrong, people are going to end up wanting more, and we've got nothing left to offer. So, let's talk about the story. Let's talk about the the thing we are intending to preview. If someone came up to you today, if someone came up to you this afternoon, someone came up to you this evening, and someone were to say to you, can you tell me about the gospel that Jesus came to preach? Can you tell me what that is and what that means? What is this gospel that Jesus came to preach? What is it that you would say? How would you respond? Now that sounds like a terribly simple question. Tell me about this gospel that Jesus came to preach. But the reality is that if we took a poll, like an anonymous text message in your answer poll, and we displayed them on the screen, many of us in this room, in fact, most of us in this room, would have a different answer to that really simple question. Tell me about the gospel that Jesus came to preach. Many of us would have different things to say. But the reality is that Jesus had one message his entire ministry. One message. This was his message at the beginning of his ministry. It was a message all the way to the end. The Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, they summarize it almost the exact same way. This is how Mark summarizes it in Mark chapter 1. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, or the Gospel, saying... Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. That's how Mark, Matthew, Luke, they all summarize it this way. Once Jesus chose his disciples and selected them and began to send them out, he sent them out with this message, according to the Gospel of Luke. Jesus called the twelve together. And he gave them power and authority over all diseases, over all demons to heal sicknesses. They were to announce the kingdom of God. And then he sends his disciples out and he instructs them, hey, proclaim one message 
And this is the one message, no words this time, just hear this. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them the power and the authority to drive out all the demons and to cure disease, and he sent them out, listen, to preach the kingdom of God. And after that, way later on in Jesus' ministry, three years later, he's crucified. And then he's resurrected three days later. And after he was resurrected, he started to appear with the disciples. According to the book of Acts, he appeared to them over a period of of 40 days. He's been crucified. He's been raised to new life. And then the book of Acts says this in Acts chapter 1. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And he spoke to them about what? About God's kingdom. And the very last glimpse of the church that we have in the New Testament, the very the very last glimpse of the church that's handed down to us and the first biography of the church located in the book of Acts, the very last verse of the very last chapter. Paul is in prison and he's in chains. And we're told this, unhindered and with complete confidence, he continued to preach God's kingdom and to teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we were going to say the answer to the question, if we were going to respond to the prompt of what is God's gospel about in one phrase, what's the answer? The answer is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The good news, the gospel, is simply this. The kingdom of God has become available on earth to us, to ordinary human beings like you and me, and we can live in it today. It's here, right now. Eternity is available to us, and we can live in it if we want to. That is what Jesus came to do. That is the good news that he came to share with us. Now today, for a variety of reasons, millions of Christians have substituted something else in place of that good news. That is the heartbeat of Jesus' message from beginning to end. That is the fuel that drove the church from beginning to end. But somewhere along the way, we began to substitute something else in its place. And this is what we substituted. Here are the minimal requirements for me to go to heaven when I die. Now, we don't put it in that language, but that's what we've turned the good news of Jesus into. We've substituted the availability of the rule and reign of God here today. We've substituted, this is the least that I need to do in order to get to heaven one day. We don't always say it like that, but that's what we think. It reminds me of a movie that I did see in my younger days. Some of you can relate to this. Others of you will say, this guy is a dinosaur. How many of you remember a movie called Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Don't embarrass yourself. It means you're old. 
There's a scene at the end of the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail, all right? Arthur and three of his knights are trying to get into the castle where the grain is, but there's a bridge that you have to cross over in order to get into the castle, and there's like this wizened old weird bridge keeper, and underneath the bridge is an abyss, and you can only cross the bridge if you can answer three questions correctly. If you get one wrong, you fall and you crash into the abyss. And so the first knight approaches the bridge keeper and he asks, what's, the bridge keeper asks, what's your name? What's your quest? What's your favorite color? The second knight, what's your name? What's your quest? And then he asks some obscure question like, who won the World Cup in 1948? I don't know. Ah, cast into the abyss, right? The third knight approaches, is quite nervous. State your name. State your quest. State your favorite color. He says red. No, it's blue. Ah, He's cast into the abyss. And so now there's just Arthur left. State your name. State your quest. And then the guy says, like a running joke throughout the movie, what's the wing speed of a coconut-laden swallow? And his answer is, that depends. Is it an African swallow or a European swallow? And the bridge keeper says, I don't know. And the bridge keeper is cast into the abyss. Now listen, for a variety of reasons... Many people have reduced the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to bring, that when we die, there will be a castle, and there will be a bridge keeper, and there will be this abyss. And the gospel is the correct answer to the question that gets us over the bridge. The gospel is understood to be the minimal entrance requirements to get into heaven when we die. Maybe you've heard the phrase, especially if you've been around a church for a while, maybe you've heard the phrase, quote, saving faith. If you've been around church long enough, what people understand is that there's this thing called saving faith, and saving faith is the minimum requirements, so that if you have this saving faith, they cannot keep you out of heaven. But here is the problem with all of this. Where in the New Testament does Jesus say, now I am going to give you the minimal entrance requirements for getting into heaven when you die? He doesn't. He never says anything like that. But tragically, for millions of people, that is what we think the good news is all about. The least that we need to do so that we can go to heaven when we die. But what Jesus says is, here's the good news. We just read those scriptures. Here's the good news. The kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God is available now to all of you. What he says is, God's reign and God's rule is now present. So let's review our plans for living so that our strategy for life is based upon this opportunity that we cannot miss. That's the gospel. Now, of course, the gospel includes forgiveness of sins that was purchased on the cross as a free gift of grace. Of course, the gospel includes the promise that death will not interrupt eternal life. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Jesus came as the kingdom bringer. And many people think that the only reason Jesus came to die on the cross was to get us over that bridge to the other side. 
and his death was fundamental, but his death was part of his overall mission. His mission was to be the kingdom bringer. And it's here now. It's here now. One time he was talking to people and people were prone to worrying about like trivial and insignificant things like, hey, what am I going to eat? And what am I going to wear? And Jesus said, don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God, the life and the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you. And here's the truth. Every human being has a kingdom, a kingdom. We don't use that word very much, but all of us have a kingdom. Our kingdom is that sphere of influence where where we say and what we say, that's what what happens. That's what goes. Your kingdom is where you are in charge. The technical term for this is your kingdom is the range of your effective will. Now, that sounds really technical, but here's how it plays out. When I was younger, uh, my mom and my dad, we would drive, um, and my sister, my mom, my dad, and my sister, we would drive to see our extended family in Oklahoma. Now, before we got a minivan, right, before we got a minivan, a minivan, right, has three rows. A row up front for my mom and my dad, a row in the middle, that was claimed by me, and a row in the back for my sister. Before we got a minivan, we traveled in a sedan. Two of us, two kids, two adults, 12 hours driving. You can see where this is going already. So I would be on this side. Now, you know, the sedan has a bench seat. So I would be on this side of the seat. And my sister would be on that side of the seat. And we would draw a line. And we would say, this is my area. You may not enter into it. And my sister would say, this is my area. You may not enter. This is my kingdom, and this is your kingdom. Over here, where I, what I say, that's what goes. Over there, what you say, that's what goes. And that was great in theory, but the problem was is that I was younger, and I was kind of irritating, and I wanted to expand my kingdom. So I would subtly move my things over that invisible line, I was trying to grab some territory, right? Expand and enlarge my kingdom. I prayed that prayer of Jabez. I was trying to see that whole thing happen. And, and wars would go on. Heidi, my sister, would get upset and perturbed, 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 perturbed about it. And she would complain to mom and dad. And dad would get upset with the whining and the complaining, and so he was driving, but he would turn around, and he would reach out and extend his hand, because whose kingdom does dad think the whole car belongs to? He thinks he owns the whole car. He thinks that it's his. My kingdom is the range of my effective will. It's where things go as I want them to. And in this world... My kingdom is my body. It's my body. And we live together on this earth, and all of these little kingdoms come together, and they merge. A kingdom is a sense of personal power, a system of personal power, and these systems come together, and they form marriages, and they form schools, 
and families and nations and cultures and civilizations. And it all comes together to form the kingdom of earth. And Jesus says there's this reality called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom where God is in charge, in the kingdom underneath the range of God's effective will, it's good. It's good. Jesus says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like a man who finds a treasure somewhere buried in a field, and in his joy he sells all that he has so he can purchase it because he has got to have that treasure. Paul says to the church at Rome, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking of rules, but of righteousness, joy, and peace. The kingdom of God is where all is as God wants it to be. Jesus says it's like a banquet where the blind, the lame, and the poor, people that normally aren't included in the RSVP list, they all become guests of honor. That is life and the kingdom of God. And the good news, the gospel, is not just that the kingdom has come into existence. It's always been in existence. The good news is that you and I are invited to be a part of it and to live according to it, to participate in it here, today, now. That's the kingdom of God. But there's this other entity. It's called the kingdom of earth. And it's all of the systems of power the governments, the politics, the structures. How are things going on the kingdom of earth? Not so good. Not so good. There's corruption. There's misuse of power. There's families breaking apart. There's people not being loved because of the way that they look or the color of their skin. It's a mess. And so Jesus has this plan. And when I was growing up in church, this is what I thought the plan was. I always thought that the plan was, that the idea was, that someday we were going to be removed from the kingdom of earth and go up to the kingdom of heaven. So we should just pray, God, get me out of here and get me up there. That's what I thought. But Jesus has this different idea. And I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out. We pray it all the time when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Words that are so familiar to us, but we don't actually think about what they actually mean all of the time. When we pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Check it out. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is not, I want to tell you how to get out of here so you can go up there. The message of Jesus is, up here is coming down there. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my body. In my body. God, take this body and make it radiant with your presence. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our homes, where so often anger reigns, or apathy reigns, or indifference reigns. 
God, in our homes, may your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our city. Where so often it looks like the kingdoms, the kingdom of this earth has a strangle, has a chokehold on it. Where things are unjust. Where violence happens. God, may your kingdom come, your will be done in our city. Here's the good news of the gospel. Up here is coming down here. That's the divine conspiracy. And it's happening through Jesus. And here's how it happens. Every time we have some resources and we get generous with those resources, God's kingdom comes. Every time we get hurt and instead of revenge or retaliation, we choose to forgive, God's kingdom comes. Every time things like that happens, up there is coming down here. And we're called not just to be somebody who's satisfying the minimal entrance requirements so that someday we can cross that bridge. We are called to be an agent, an empowered, set free agent of God's kingdom, living according to his rule and his reign here, today, in this town, in our skin. So follow him. Be part of the greatest movement that the world has ever known. And the movement is this. Up there is coming down here. I started this off by talking about how it's our job, how it's our mission to be a trailer, to be a preview. And here's the deal. We have been given the greatest story ever told because it's true. Not because it's fiction. Not because some screenwriter thought it up or somebody, some novelist dreamed it up and they adapted it to a film. The story that we've been given to tell is the greatest story ever told in the whole history of the world. And it also happens to be true. It's the story of a God who so loved his people and his people turned their backs on him because they wanted to be in charge. But God would not quit. He was relentless and he kept coming to them saying, I'm not okay with this. I want to have my kids back so that the whole world can flourish under my stewardship and under my care. And finally he said, the only way for this relationship to be, that's been broken to be reconciled is if I step out of heaven and I become who they are so that they might become what I am. And so God, as we just celebrated a couple of weeks ago, was born, took on flesh and blood, and was born as a baby. He grew up. He was just like us. If you cut him, he bleeds. If you say something negative about him, it hurts him. We know this because he references how he grew up in his hometown and he's not really welcomed there because he felt that sting of rejection and betrayal. If someone that he loves dies, he cries. If you poke his side, blood pours out. Just like us, but somehow also just like God because he was fully human and fully divine and he was 
experienced the worst that this world could experience. He not only experienced the suffering and the pain of a death, and he died a death he never should have died because he didn't do anything to deserve it. He not only experienced that, he experienced alienation from his father. And so he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you turned your face from me? Why have you forsaken me? And he dies alone. He's buried. Three days later, the most miraculous thing happens. The overflow of God's heart was not shamed by the death of his son, but instead his spirit goes to the dead and decaying body of the boy that he loves and breathes new life in him. And not only was Jesus' body raised to do life, but all of the people that he touched along the way were vindicated. All of the teachings that he taught in his sermons were upheld as true and the way that the world works. And Jesus was raised to new life. Now check this out. Not only did that happen, but 50 days later, he ascends into heaven where he sits at the right hand throne of God and he will reign forever and ever and ever. We've been given the greatest good news story that we could ever tell. God rules and God reigns and we've been invited through our very lives to so align with his heart, to so be swept up in his love, that our lives are turned into a preview of the world that is to come when one day our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns. And as Revelation says, the new Jerusalem descends because up there is coming down here and all is made right and he will rule forever and ever. We are invited to be a preview. If you have had experience with the church before and you tried it out and you've really been enamored by this Jesus, but you got into it and because you were told that the whole point was to someday cross that bridge and you thought to yourself, that's it. I was hoping for more. I have some really good news for you. There's way more than that. There's way more than that. You don't have to wait to experience the full, eternal kind of life in Jesus Christ. You don't need to wait until you die. That life is available to all of us right now. We're invited to be previews, to be trailers of the life that is to come. I think it's the more that we've been made for. I think it's the more that we've been looking for. Every act of justice you perform, every act of mercy that you do, every word of forgiveness that you speak, you are witnessing to the one who is to come. Ben, team, go ahead and come forward and get ready to help us to respond this morning.